What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. I don't know about you, but I love it when I discover or I'm told something that is novel to me, but really perfectly fits with a bunch of other things I already knew. And that's the feeling I got today when I was reading the Newsweek story about a couple of Cambridge University scientists who were doing research on European lakes, and they discovered that the plastic contamination and pollution that was in these lakes could potentially be solved by bacteria. In research published yesterday in the journal Nature Communications, the scientists basically looked at what kind of naturally occurring bacteria do a better job of eating plastic. The experiment's actually very simple. What they did is they took plastic bags from British shopping chains, cut them up, and then shook them in water so that the plastic molecules would be released into the water. Then they took lake water from these various lakes, and they mixed one half of the sample with plastic water so as to raise the plastic content. And the other they mixed with distilled water as your control group, right? And what they discovered is that naturally occurring bacteria in the lakes thrived, did better when there was plastic in the water because they eat the plastic. Now, in some ways, this is not surprising at all. For example, it's pretty widely known that certain kinds of bacteria are used to remediate oil spills, right? You actually call this bioremediation, and that's the idea that certain organisms, certain kinds of bacteria, love to eat the hydrocarbons that are in the oil spill. And so you add bacteria, they consume the oil, they produce carbon dioxide and water, and maybe other stuff depending on what's in the oil, and you solve the problem of having the oil spill. But of course, what are plastic bags made out of? Hydrocarbons, right? They're a petroleum byproduct. And of course, hydrocarbons are just what most of us eat, right? I live on hydrocarbons, just like the bacteria do. They just eat a little bit different slice of them than I do. And what did the researchers find? The bacteria love the hydrocarbons that are in the plastic bags. In fact, they like them better than naturally occurring hydrocarbons that would otherwise be and are often in the lake themselves. So they prefer to eat the plastic over the naturally occurring stuff. So theoretically, the application here is that if you have a lot of plastic somewhere, like you've seen some of these crazy pictures of plastic islands floating around in the world's oceans, or just the fact that we have microplastic, little teeny tiny pieces of plastic that are in most of the world's waters and then wind up in us again afterwards. Theoretically, this could be the basis of finding a way to solve for that problem using naturally existing bacteria that love to munch on plastic. And speaking of the overconsumption of hydrocarbons, I take you to Las Vegas, Nevada, where, well, let's just say some non-bacteriological life forms decided that they absolutely had to have their drinks. Not alcohol, Red Bull. According to Las Vegas Metropolitan Police, Eugene Davis and Angela Sharp were involved in a series of heists, I guess, in which they were stealing numerous cases of Red Bull from various stores. Like, they entered a Smart and Final store, and an employee said they stole 20 cases of Red Bull. When a worker confronted him, the man said, Don't approach me, I have a firearm, I'll use it if you approach. Who talks like that, by the way? Approach? Anyway, that was the first incident. Then, the next day at a Costco, the man was seen with a cart full of Red Bull cases, a Dell laptop computer, and a security camera... 
duh. One of the loss prevention officers spotted him trying to leave through a side door. He approached him and he said, you want some of this? I feel like these people watched way too many bad movies, but okay. It escalated and he hit the officer with his elbow, threatened to shoot the employee. And then a woman pulled up in a car and he took off, leaving the Red Bulls behind. Since two times was obviously not enough and the second caper failed, about a week later, they did it in reverse, where a woman matching Sharp's description entered a different Costco, loaded a cart full of, you guessed it, Red Bull, tried to go through a side door, not thinking about how this didn't work so well the first time, was confronted by, you guessed it, a loss prevention officer. She ran away to a getaway car where the driver threatened the pursuing loss prevention officer with pepper spray and then drove away. And apparently they had, in fact, tried this the week before at that same store. So they were hitting all the Red Bull case stores. Don't you have to have a membership to get into a Costco in the first place? Uh, Maybe the security is not that tight. So the workers had taken photographs of the car, passed them along to Metro PD. They spotted the car and start pursuing it. It sped away from them 100 miles an hour. Of course, Red Bull thieves are going to speed away. And during the course of about a 15-minute pursuit, they finally took the two suspects into custody, and they discovered about 190 mostly unopened cans of Red Bull in the car. Now, I have heard of formula thieves, like, long before you had the current crisis in baby formula. Formula is very expensive, and that's why it's behind the counter at a lot of shops, because it's a very frequent target of shoplifting. I've heard of alcohol thieves. I've heard of people stealing, you know, K-Pods or whatever. And so I guess it weirdly makes sense that people would be inclined to steal something like Red Bull that's fairly expensive. But you won't believe the reason given. It wasn't so that they could resell the freely acquired Red Bull on the black market or anything like that. Oh, no, no, no. They say they're addicted to it and they can't help themselves. And if, in fact, these two brilliant Bonnie and Clyde impersonators are addicted to Red Bull, I mean, you can't really blame them. They just can't stop themselves. And this is exactly why I don't drink energy drinks. I just don't want to wind up being a felon, which, as my mother taught me, is the natural result of drinking rocket fuel out of a can. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And finally, from the, oh my God, they're selling my childhood and I can't afford it file. There's an auction going to be taking place in Rock Island, Illinois, and it's going to be late August. And they are selling something that... You know, I'm not big into memorabilia, but I would probably mortgage my house to pick up this item. It might be the only thing I can say that of. In this case, it's one of the most famous weapons in all of movie history, and it happens to come from Star Wars, the original Star Wars. And no, it's not a lightsaber. Who cares about that? It's Han Solo's blaster. Pokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times as a kid I role-played Han Solo with some piece of driftwood running with Chewbacca into a big old pile of stormtroopers in the Death Star and then running away just as quickly. Or fending them off from the Millennium Falcon as we're trying to escape out of the Mos Eisley spaceport. Or, and this is a later movie I know, don't call me on the detail, shooting at Darth Vader's hand. The point is, this is an iconic piece of movie-making history. If you're a nerd, and I am, and the chance to own it is extraordinarily tempting, but I guarantee you, I cannot afford this piece of history. 
Now, the backstory here is actually kind of interesting how this particular artifact came to be an auction piece in Illinois. See, in the very first movie, they had to come up with an interesting firearm for Han Solo to use. So Roger Christian, the set decorator for A New Hope, took a Mauser C96 broom handle pistol. You'd actually recognize this gun if you saw it. And he added to it a World War II era scope and the muzzle from an airplane mounted machine gun, along with a few other modifications and turned that into the weapon. They made three of them for use during the movie. All of them disappeared. In fact, when they started making the sequels, they had to reconstruct blasters from scratch because they had lost the props from the original movie. Or somebody made off with them. In any case, somewhere along the line, one of the originals showed up magically and is going to be available for sale. Now, I know you're wondering what's the price. Here's what we know. In 2018, one of the replacement blasters, it was used by Han Solo well, you might call him Harrison Ford, in Return of the Jedi, sold for $550,000. That's a replacement from movie three. What do you think this one's going to go for? Nobody knows. But I'd feel fairly confident saying that the pre-auction estimate of three hundred to $500,000, way low. Now, truth be told, no, I'm not going to mortgage my house to go buy it. I mean, I really want to. But, you know, I've got a marriage to keep. But it's just fun to imagine it, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, Luke Skywalker was fine, but Han Solo was my hero. And do you know why? Because no matter what the fake revisionist versions you might catch on Disney Plus today say about that scene in the cantina, Han shot first. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. And consider subscribing to the digital and print editions of Newsweek and this podcast if you haven't already. Before you go, hit the five-star review and I won't steal your Red Bull. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.